Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, this is our second and final episode of the week, but the good news is that we have an incredible founder joining us today. While dating during the pandemic was a big challenge for people, The pandemic also took its toll on couples as well. Weddings being pushed back, children going to school at home, and routines being shaken up, it definitely presented some challenges. Alex McMillan is the founder of Lovely, a company with a unique and positive approach to helping couples connect on their own terms. Alex will be joining us today to discuss how she launched Lovely to disrupt traditional couples therapy by creating fun and playful activities that help couples get close and curious about each other. Lovely's subscription-based activities invite couples to strengthen their relationship and encourage them to have screen-free time together from the comfort of their own home. I'm really looking forward to hearing from Alex and learning about Lovely, so you know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, Alex, you're the CEO and founder of Lovely, which is a platform that helps couples connect with one another. Um, You're going to explain more about it. So thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. So if you will, for listeners, would you mind just explaining where you're at currently in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Physically, I am currently in Portland, Oregon, and I would say I am peaceful and like excited in terms of my mental state and where I'm at. I'm happy to share more about the company as well. Amazing. Yeah. So for those who don't know, would you mind, I guess, just introducing listeners to your background and how that sort of led you to creating Lovely? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like any person's kind of story or experience, there's, it's not necessarily linear, but there's like the thread, like the thing that connects all of those moments and experiences that brings you to the place that you are. So for me, I've always just had like a a deep passion for people and problem solving and systems, like understanding how people work, what motivates them, what interests them, and then how you use the things in place and in your environment to kind of move them further towards their goals or move them further towards like where they want to be. Um, And so I got my degree in psychology, like it was a no brainer, like, as soon as I realized those were classes you could take, and that like, that's something you could study, I was like, Oh, why would anybody do anything else in the world? Um, And then I was kind of one of the rare people who actually immediately like put my degree in psych to use and started uh, in residential counseling. So I got like a really deep dive into like, how, how do you work with people to change their behaviors? And for me, I, I specialized and worked in eating disorders. And so that's like one of the, you know, the mental health conditions where there is no like abstinence. This isn't something you can avoid. You have to really engage in like this positive and healthful way with food. And I started to learn quickly from the women around me who were the therapists and the counselors in those settings, like what were the behavioral interventions that you could do to support people through that? Um, And the thing that kind of propelled me into the next phase of my career was wanting to have more impact at scale. So like I could work with one person or one family and really like do something meaningful, but like, how do you translate the the magic of those moments into something that could reach more people, people with less access. And so 
ended up pivoting into kind of these like bigger national interventions that were targeted at things like eating disorders, but also things like, how do you get people to take their medication? How do you work with uh, anxiety and depression? So other issues that kind of came up for folks. And so that was sort of the professional ladder. And then most recently had kind of taken all of that, like for good large scale impact work and actually worked and led a digital agency that worked with national nonprofits to really like enhance engagement with our constituents. And so the last seven years before I started Lovely, I was the CEO and CFO of that company and kind of had this like personal, you know, parallel experiences that I met my partner when I was in college and we just, you know, hit it off. Like we were very compatible, adored each each other. He is a wonderful, lovely person. Um, And like fast forward to 10 years later, we had two kids and we both had like kind of big careers and started to look at each other and be like, gosh, this is harder than I thought it would be. And we don't feel as close and there's less time. And, um, and so the inspiration for lovely really came at the intersection of this professional experience. And then my personal, and I'm, I'm happy to share more on like the, the spark, the thing that happened that made me think I needed to, to make something to do this, but um, that's a little bit about my background or maybe a lot about my background. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Yeah. I know um, just from reading about the company and how you really began it, a lot of it stemmed from, you know, your own personal experiences with your relationship. And I think that's so interesting. You know, you brought up uh, 10 years down the road from where you started your relationship, you have kids and it's different. Mm-hmm. And all of those things, like people, you know, can plan to have kids. They can plan where they want to live in their five-year, 10-year plan. But until you're in it, I feel in the reality, and this is just, I guess, life in general, even without Mm -hmm. relationships in the mix, this is just life, right? You can plan all you want, but until you're actually living it, then it's a very different ballgame. So I think, especially with a relationship, um, you know, it makes things different and at times difficult and other times really great and amazing. So yeah, I guess if you wouldn't mind sharing what specifically led you to, you know, come up with this idea. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I, um, you know, I think intuitively and from the family that I come from, I've always had kind of a deep drive for personal and interpersonal relationships um, and partnership and but I'll still say that like so much of, you know, what ultimately influenced Lovely and, and what I gained in like the experience that I have with my partner and also with my friends and my parents is that like relationship skills are also taught. Like it's something that can be learned. It's, some, it's a skill like any other. And for as many years as we go to school and we take math classes and history classes and writing classes, like not a single thing is dedicated to like articulating your needs or understanding your own feelings or conflict resolution or repair. And so... <laughs> I'll just say that like the foundation of like all of this is really to kind of demystify the fact that there is work that goes into this and it's work that you can do proactively. It's work that you can do reactively, but we're all experiencing it. And sometimes it feels very organic and intuitive and other times it requires something more structural. Um, but for me, the the thing that sparked this was really like, it was actually like a moment. And um, I would say at this point, it was probably three and a half, four years ago my daughter was about two years old at the time. She's my second. I have a son who's four years older than her. And uh, my husband and I went out to dinner and like at the time, like going out on a date was like the way that we kind of were able to connect and spend time together. But in this particular moment, we were waiting at a table, having some drinks, um, waiting for our table to become available. And we looked over and I I saw this couple that was like so clearly on a first date. Mm -hmm. Like they just had that like apprehension and the nervousness and you know, you know what that looks like, right? Like you can just kind of feel their energy. And 
you know, we'd been together since I, we met when I was 17 and I looked at my husband Cody and I was like, can you even imagine? Like, <laughs> can you even imagine a dating? Like we kind of like forewent that whole experience and be like, what would it be like to sit at a table with someone you don't know and try to like figure this out? And he similarly was like, just total, you know, can't relate, doesn't even, don't even know where we would go from there. But <laughs> for whatever reason, I had this spark moment of like, do you want to pretend it's our first date? Like, do you want to, and I don't know if it was just like having a drink or just the the moment in time for us, but he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we started from like the very beginning, like introduced ourselves, talked about like where we grew up, our families, like why we went to school to study the things that we did. And in doing that, he started telling me like, you know, why he decided to go to medical school. And he started telling me about his kids and why he loved being a father, even though I'd been there the whole time. And obviously there are kids and there was something about this like kind of suspension of reality and this disconnect that made us super giggly and laughing. And, and as we went on, what really crystallized for me was when I gave him the space to tell me the story of who he wants me to see, you know, even after 15 years together, like this is the person that's going to impress you. This is all the stuff that I, that I hope for myself and that I hope for my future it made me realize that in our relationship, part of the work was going to be creating that opportunity for him to tell me the story that he wants to tell and not to assume or expect or predict based on all those years of experience together. And it, we just, you know, we felt so much possibility for who we could be and who we could be together coming out of that. And it was energizing and it was giggly and it was super playful. And it really clicked for me that like, this could be lovely. This could be some of the work that couples do that isn't sitting in a couples therapist's office, which of course is super valuable and great too, but can really enhance that ability to start to unlock and soften and open up a relationship to endure kind of the hard times and to really consider like how you're gonna stay connected and excited about each other over time. And uh, that was the first activity um, that we created for Lovely called First Date. and have since created many others and it's it's structured as a subscription so that you kind of get into that routine practice of once a month taking time to challenge yourself and each activity is different and kind of taps into different parts of the relationship so that was really about like curiosity and, and this like understanding and exploration of each other um, but other activities are focused on like communication gratitude desire um, and each of them really kind of pushes you to get a little bit outside of your assumptions and your comfort zone and and that level of novelty and focus time together really just yields like a sense of closeness and, and kind of energy about the other person. Definitely. I love that story, first of all. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And I, I really think that that's so important to do. Um, just to remind, especially when you're in a relationship for you know, a significant amount of time, I think that's really important to remind one another of your interests, of your mm -hmm. accomplishments, of your hopes and aspirations. Totally. I love, like, I love everything about that. And I guess, yeah. So if you want to um, talk about some of the activities you offer mm -hmm. through the subscriptions and um, yeah, I guess what each sort of caters to. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about kind of the thinking around it. Cause I, I think this is where I realized like, you know, there's obviously like couples therapy that exists and I think that it's an incredible resource for certain folks. Um, but for me, I kind of have this like big picture perspective generally. Like I tend to look at the landscape or the systems that exist. And even for myself, like couples therapy didn't feel like the right thing. It wasn't that we had like 
immediate conflict, but we definitely didn't have some of the, the tools or the practice that, you know, I think for us felt like it would reflect that level of like just adoration and kind of, you know, the delightful part of like being close and connected to somebody. And um, I looked at, you know, there's self-help books out there and there's a lot of apps too, which again, like all of these serve a purpose and for some folks, but for me, you know, the thing that felt really important was like, how do you create an experience that's new and intimate, like deeply like connected and present and screens just felt like out of the question. Like we're always on our phones and we're always like, and I love a good movie and I love like, and I am like totally guilty of like, you know, the death scroll, but it, it felt like that was like one of the most important things is to create activities or experiences that were really analog that like had you looking at each other that had you in the same space. Um, but fully present and not distracted. So actually one of the ground rules for each of the activities that comes with the game itself is to put your phone in the box while you're completing um, the game so that you truly are like not tempted by that. Cause it's, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I, we still test every activity and it's amazing how much an hour or 90 minutes of time where you are not like looking at your phone, where you're not getting a message or a notification, just that in and of itself is sadly like such a novel experience anymore. so there was that piece of like, how do you create something that's special and intimate? And then having had this background in behavioral intervention, just wanting to neutralize some of the things that tend to come up for couples around like, you know, you have consistent things that maybe you fight over that are hard. And so instead of having a conversation around the problems, how do you have an experience where you're doing something new together? Neither person's agenda is really at the center of that. It's more about trying something new, pushing each other a little bit to understand yourselves better and then share that with one another. And so the subscription comes monthly and we don't tell folks which activity they're going to get. They have the opportunity to let us know like what things in their relationship work really well for them, what they're trying to improve, um, what kind of support they want. And then we curate that kind of like a stitch fix e thing where we have like a relationship coach that's looking at that information and really deciding which of the activities feels like the, the best next thing to scaffold in terms of like their experience and what they're working towards. Um, and so, as I mentioned, you know, we have four kind of categories. One is desire. So those are, these aren't like, there's great resources out there. If you want like a, you know, like a sex or intimacy or erotic like experience, this is much more like mental eroticism. So like thinking about understanding your needs, understanding and communicating pleasure. Um, but very game-like, like actual board game setup where you're playing different cards and potentially no one's a winner or a loser in these games, <laughs> everyone wins. Um, but where you're able to kind of explore different parts of you know what desire feels like for you and what you experience now versus what kind of a future state might be that um, appeals. And so it, it really pushes people to do more of the work individually to just reflect on like, what does feel good to me? And what do I think about? And what would I want for us and and the space and the structure to share that without it feeling like just an open ended conversation card. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's conversation or there's uh, activities that are more focused on communication. So like really being able to share who you are, what your preferences are in terms of communication, um, what your core values are, that's a really popular one and kind of foundational. And so it's, in some ways, the activities um, are, you know, really well suited and obviously inspired by my experience of like being with somebody for a long time and reconnecting. But when we first when the idea first came to be um, having kind of a background in some product design decided like, well, we really should make sure like, as I, I told my husband, like the people like the cookies, like do other people even enjoy this before we launch this company. And 
So we did a pilot uh, with 40 couples and they ranged in ages from like 25 to 75. Um, and couples had been together for like six months to like 50 years. And I think the one of the things that, you know, we're still working towards in terms of making this available to a variety of couples is understanding how to get this in the hands of actually couples who are earlier in their relationships, where maybe instead of reconnecting and like sorting that out, it's actually laying that foundation of like, how do you figure out and kind of practice these skills earlier so that when you introduce something like having children or you introduce like a life stressor, you actually are kind of like built with some of that. Um, but yeah, so that's like a little bit of a flavor for the activities. And just to name a couple, like we do, we have one called job interview. We have one called perfect day. Um, one of the most popular is pounce, which is a desire activity. Um, so they're playful, like they're lighthearted, but they kind of get it like, you know, the important stuff. Right. Totally. And I think that's so uh, interesting what you brought up. Because lovely, you know, it doesn't matter what age or what stage in your relationship you're at. Um, You know, anyone can really do these activities. There's always room for improvement. And I think that's another thing too. Um, And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I think with relationships these days, because of social media, I think that plays a lot into, you know, the thinking that, oh, there's these perfect, glossy, beautiful relationships that are so unflawed when in actuality, like, at least to me, I think any relationship, no matter what sort of honeymoon phase they're in, I think any relationship has its problems, whether they're surface level or not. Um, And I don't mean like problems in a negative way, but like nothing's yeah. ever perfect. Everything totally. has, you know, something going on that makes it, you know, not perfect. So, um, yeah, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that too, like with social media, I guess, like, do you yeah. believe that that narrative, I guess, exists with like, there's these perfect, incredible yeah. couples. I mean, we do it. We glorify like celebrity couples, like from yeah. the beginning of time we've been doing that. Um, oh, yeah. no, I think you're absolutely right. There's, um, there, and there's a, a strange stigma like that either relationships are working or they're broken and that there's nothing in between. And I totally agree. I mean, if you're a parent, there's parenting groups out there. If you are like wanting to develop your professional skills, like professional development exists. Like you can go take classes and get certificates and like it, you have performance reviews at work. And for whatever reason in our like intimate relationships, we expect them to just work <laughs> and just like... And, and that in the absence of it working, that somehow that's a personal flaw or a flaw of the relationship or that it's somehow not as strong. And um, I think that's one of, you know, I see it, like you said, in social media for sure. And I think that, that you know, extends to almost every experience of social media. So you see parents on social media and you see food on social media and then you go home to your real life and you're like, well, it doesn't quite look like that or feel like that. Does that mean something's wrong? And um, But I even experienced it just in my peer group, like the amount of uh, people who would reach out and be like, how are you getting your kid to sleep? Or how did you get that job? Or how, how are you like deciding who you're going to hire next? Like in all of these different contexts of my life, there was so much sharing and interest and like requesting kind of strategic ways to like improve that. And my, of my friends, you know, and I'm a like super open, like communicative person it wasn't until things got really hard that I heard about relationship problems or challenges. So instead of saying like, gosh, I really like, I love my partner and I like him a lot. And, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out like, how do we stay close or how do we 
like take a trip where we really feel excited about each other? Or how do we parent in a romantic way? Like there's none of that same proactive openness around the topic. There was so much more, I think like shame, like you're saying, like a concern that if, if it doesn't look like it, you know, looks in the world in some perfect or kind of, um, easy way that that would imply that there's something wrong or that there'd be some comparison. And in my experience, you know, as a person who has like a pretty fulfilling, like joyful relationship, that's taken work at every stage, whether it's work that's like to, you know, that early work is mostly fun work, but it's still effort. It's the like impressing them. It's the showing up. It's the getting ready. It's like, that's still time and effort and energy. It's just what that requires or what it looks like in practice at, you know, date one versus year one versus year 10, like you're still putting in the time and energy. And I think the more we can talk about that in a proactive way, the more we can recognize that what we need at certain level, you know, certain stages of our own lives, certain stages of relationships is going to change and evolve and feel like it's okay to surface that and talk about it and get support. I think uh, it really is probably the only way forward in terms of enduring positive romantic relationships. I mean, as long as people are going to mostly stick with monogamy, like we're going to need some new tools because <laughs> therapy can't be the only answer. And social media certainly isn't like something to aspire to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, you know, a really great thing about Lovely is that, you know, as opposed to something like therapy or counseling, it's something that, you know, couples can do at their own pace at mm -hmm. like during their own time, um, together and not with like a third party, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And also it's something that they can do like in the comfort of their own home or wherever they, yeah. you know, choose to be. Yeah. Um, and I think that too is a part of it because I don't know though, like I've never done couples counseling at all. Um, but I think, you know, so much exists within like one space of your being counseled, at least the way I look yeah. at it. And then when you go into your real world outside of that little bubble, like, yeah. will that carry with you? So I think being able to reconnect on your own terms um, in yeah. your own place is really important. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It, it, you're tapping into something that um, I think it's that ability to like be effective or to have efficacy in your own world to feel like you can do something and mm -hmm. be empowered in that way and um you know I see lovely as being for some folks like entirely complimentary like you described like you go to a couple's counseling session that's great you do that once a month but like what do you do the other weeks and how do you practice the skills that you might talk about in that room um, we actually have relationships with uh quite a few therapists who are just like diehard for the product and love to recommend it as like the homework for their um, clients. But for a lot of folks, couples therapy is just, it either feels not like the right fit. It's not the thing that they need. It can feel really intimidating or like I said, like there's some stigma around it that somehow the perception is like they're not good enough or it's not working. Um, and for others, it's just like a, a time and money barrier. I mean, mm -hmm. traditional couples counseling costs somewhere between $100 and $200 a session. For most folks who are doing that work, it's every other week. And so you can quickly, you know, it quickly adds up. And uh, there's a lot of evidence and studies that show that like, you don't see a benefit for like six to eight weeks. So like, you know, you can get you can get pretty far in in terms of time, money, kind of just like the leap of faith on that before you really see the returns, whereas hopefully lovely just feels like a really easy way to start that process to start taking time to start doing something different. And there 
is much less focused on the like, why did you show up? What's the problem? And more like, here's something to try next. Try this, see how you feel, see what this does for the two of you. And, um, you know, we have this subscription. We also have these booster boxes, which is what I, you know, shared with you. And, but of the subscribers we've had to date, we haven't had a single cancellation. Like people, like they, I think they recognize the value of, even if it's hard to make the time, even if it, it pushes them a little bit that like doing that is so important for just the possibility and kind of progress of the relationship. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the boxes are so fun and they, you know, you had mentioned the word like board game and sort of game-like activities and they are obviously. Um, And I think that too, it puts a little more fun in it. It puts a little more fun in it and takes away any maybe pressure or anxiety that one may normally have if you were in sort of like a meeting type environment, one-on-one face-to-face, like super intense. I think it adds a little, a little fun and playfulness uh, to it all too. Um, So yeah, one thing I wanted to bring up is obviously the pandemic. It's impacted, I feel like relationships of all kinds, whether they're romantic um, or just, you know, friendships, what have you. And I think I'm someone who I have honestly, like, I'll be candid. I have been single the entire pandemic. I went into the pandemic single and like, as we're hopefully nearing the end, I'm ready to get back out there. You know, dating apps have been fun, but like as someone who, you know, that was the things me and so many of my girlfriends were talking about. It's like, how can you go meet people when you're supposed to be quarantined and, and what have you. And it really, um, I think it, I guess my point is the pandemic really impacted individuals of any stage of any sort of relationship. Um, and I think maybe from your perspective, did you find any challenges, um, maybe with your partner or just your family unit as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think like a lot of parts of our lives, the pandemic was, is a good example of where external circumstances become part of the relational experience. So, you know, you look at, again, we talked about like kids, like a lot of the challenges parents have in romantic relationships aren't because all of a sudden the person across the table from them has changed. It's because the environment in which they're trying to relate to each other has changed in a way where the things that they used to use to cope are not available. The things that used to like bring them that connection, not available. Um, So I think there's tons of parallels there. I mean, on a personal level, like, yeah, it's been a a fucking year. Like it's been, um, you know, I launched lovely during the pandemic and I, it was a mixed experience of having an idea. Like you said, you have a plan. So I had an idea of how making the move from being on a team and running an organization that was established to launching something, you know, already felt hard and potentially risky and, um, And then in the period of transition from deciding to leave to launching lovely, the pandemic hit. And so in some ways, like so many of the things that provided stability and a sense of identity for me changed within that same period of time. And so I think what is probably kind of a little bit of like a reflection or like feels consistent with how I want lovely to operate in the world of like being, um, this kind of vehicle for saying like change is going to come. Like if you're in a relationship, change is going to come or external things are going to be hard, but who do I want to be and how do I want to show up and how do I kind of 
allow myself to do that personal work so that I can, you know, do be, be in growth and be in partnership with somebody. It kind of just like, you know, took that to 10. Like I just had to like kind of reflect and go inside and understand like, who am I going to be in this process of starting a company, letting go of the identity I had before figuring out where my kids were going to be in all of this and how to partner through that. And what I would say is that um, I think it takes some, there's a lot of potential trust and intimacy that can be gained from difficulty and like challenges. And I think that's the part that through time and through navigating different phases of my own life, including the last year, I trust that the hard parts, the things that feel really like they push me or they push our relationship or they push our family, um, that so much of the intimacy or the the foundation of knowing you can navigate that stuff, knowing that you can learn more about each other in that process, knowing that you can be more grateful because you see the other person also struggling or also trying to make the best of a situation and can yield a sense of like closeness or um, appreciation that, you know, when things are good day in and day out, like that's, that's awesome too. I miss that, like the easy stuff. Um, But I think it's, there's so much kind of, substance that comes from like the moments where you have to do that reflection and you share. So I think if you can be open to that and you can take something like the pandemic and say like, okay, so if we're only going to be with five people for the next year and a half, like what kinds of things are you willing to accept that maybe you used to complain about more because you only get five people or, and you know, and what does it really matter? Do you want to be the person who sits in a room and looks for things to be upset about? Or do you want to be the person who wants to understand why that person does that thing or is curious or is appreciative of all the other things that that person brings into your life? And I, I think your, you know, framing and your ability to position yourself in a, a scenario that benefits you, that works for you, that works for the people in your life is, is such a powerful set of tools. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious, you know, for you, like, looking back on the last year, like what, what would you say are things that you're taking from this experience to that are and not to put you on the hot seat either, oh, but I yeah. think we're all kind of doing that reflection of like, we know where we've been, we kind of know where we are, we're probably all really looking ahead to sort of think about what we want in the future. And what are the things that you would say you're doing now to kind of like propel you towards that future state? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, I, I've said it to a lot of people that with this whole year and the extra time I've had on my hands, I've learned a lot about myself, um, which has been a really amazing thing because, and I've talked about this on here before, but I've always been the, I guess, type of personality where I'm go, go, go. I'm always moving. I like to stay busy. I like to try and overachieve. That's that's just me. (laughs) And in doing that though, I get exhausted. And sometimes, you know, that impacts obviously my relationships with no matter who it is. Um, and I think with the extra time on my hands, it allowed and having nowhere to go for the Mm -hmm. first time ever. And I've also been a planner. So having, you know, the world just halts and, like literally like mother nature or whatever it may be just saying like not today like take a seat like no (laughs) moving like this is just how you're gonna live for the next year I really took that as a blessing and I know that's a weird word to say during a pandemic but 
I was really grateful to have the opportunity to slow down. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot, like, you know, from getting hinge and reactivating it each season, yeah. even though I knew like <laughs> the whole town is locked down and there's nowhere to yeah. go. I, it was still, um, forcing myself to have these online conversations and just conversations with people on the podcast, talking to individuals, yeah. different working professionals, hearing their perspectives, um, it really helped me hone in on, you know, what I'm looking for out of life as cheesy yeah. as that sounds. Um, but I think that's really great, especially as someone who, you know, during this past year was yeah. single for the pandemic. I think as I go into a new relationship, that's something really great to take with me is all these things I've learned yeah. and where I yeah. you know, see myself moving in the future. Um, I think that's, yeah, it, it was a really, it, it's weird to say that good things did come from the pandemic, but good things did come from the pandemic. Um, there oh, yeah. were a lot of silver linings and, you know, I took a lot away from it and yeah. So yeah, that's totally, <laughs> that's, no, I, I completely appreciate that. I think, um, I too am like, a enthusiastic planner, um, when I did the core values exercise with my husband for the first time many years ago, my, my top two were connection and planning. And so I, I think what I described, like having this moment of like, you know, identity crisis coming into this, I was like, well, right now I can't plan and I can't like be with the people, like all my people because of this. And it, it, it definitely, um, to your point, I think there's something really powerful in being forced to demonstrate to yourself a level of flexibility and adaptability and openness. And so I, I think, you know, in intimate relationships, and like you said, as you get, you know, as you decide to pursue that coming out of the pandemic, I would hope that folks, whether currently in relationships or otherwise, can really hold like a newfound openness and flexibility. Like we all had to adapt and adjust and realize that, that things are not going to go always as we plan and that we're, we can get through that. And also that clarity, that clarity of like, who am I? What do I want? What do I need? What do I struggle with? What kind of drives me when things are challenging? And if you can kind of marry those, that sense of like openness with that sense of clarity, like I think that's a recipe for really, um, yeah, powerful intimacy and personal oh, yeah. efficacy to be able to create the life that you want with the person or people that you want. Yeah. And I think that's something that is easy to forget when you look at just even the word relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like from the outside, like looking at it, it looks like a very singular word and a very, um, you know, just like a one person thing. But when it really boils yeah. down to it, there's, there's two people in a relationship for the most part, <laughs> yeah. two people in the relationship for the most part. And that's like two different minds, two different souls, two different, you know, yeah. people who have completely different I ideas and, and what have you. So, um, the, you know, the more people who are able to better connect with themselves during this pandemic yeah. and learn more about their interests, their desires, where they see themselves going and, and moving in life. I think that's wonderful. And, you yeah. know, only will help your current relationship or strengthen your new one or, or what have you. Absolutely. I, 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 it's an, been an interesting going through this process and working with couples and I do some coaching with couples in addition to lovely and um, it's interesting how many couples perceive that like there needs to be similarity or likeness in everything for it to work. Uh, like I said, there's this core values activity, which I, I feel like every human should do this. Um, 
in any context of any relationship. And I can talk a little bit more about like lovely 2.0, which will not just be for romantic relationships, but hopefully for a variety of different relationships and families. Um, but I think part of that, that surfaced when I was working with couples and kind of soliciting like in advance of them working on it, you know, what are your thoughts on this? How are you feeling about it? People would say like, well, if I, if we don't get the same core values, like if we have different core values, like, does that mean like there's something wrong with this? Is that a problem? Is that going to be a concern? And to be able to reassure folks that like so much of the work of being in a relationship is just having a person who like recognizes who you are, Mm -hmm. shows up to support all of that. And like, likes you I mean like it's really not as it doesn't have to be this like this high pressure we are everything for each other we are all the same um it's really about rewriting the rules of like what are the specific things that you want to show up with that are valuable in your relationship what are the rituals or practices that are going to make you feel good in a partnership and and to your point I think in addition to social media being this kind of glossy, like romanticized idea, I think it's also very singular, like there's one idea. And I think Mm -hmm. the more we can give people the space and freedom to say, like, you know, how do you want to celebrate holidays? How do you show affection? Um, What does desire look like? And to say it's not A, B or C, or it doesn't look just like this couple you're seeing. I think there's so there's so much possibility and power for folks to be able to like write the rules of who they want to be both individually and together. and, And that it doesn't have to be the same as each other and it doesn't have to be the same as everybody else as long as you have the space to really share that and celebrate it. Yeah, definitely. And I'm interested. So uh, you mentioned Lovely 2.0. Uh, <laughs> you have obviously uh, new things in the works, new ideas you're pursuing. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, like I said, this was inspired by and kind of really responsive to my own romantic partnership and my husband and um, but it's been so evident to me having children, like how, you know, first of all, because I am their mother, like how different their experiences. So for example, um, one of the things that we include with the lovely activities are these pause cards, which I'm sure you saw. And it's really like, I think learning how to pause in life is like one of the most powerful skills. I was not good at it. I also am like a person who can kind of talk through things I'm like, I can get to the other end of something. I have a partner who like get, gets flooded with feelings. So learning for us to like pause was such an important skill. And knowing that the pause isn't just a pause with no particular like direction. It's when are we going to come back and have this conversation where we both feel like we can show up and do a better job? What kind of outside support might we need to have this conversation in a more meaningful way so that you're not cycling through the same thing? And all that to say is that like my kids at nine and five have their own pause language. So my daughter at five years old says to my son, bunny is like her code word, um, which means like they both have to, the rule is they both have to take six deep breaths. So like that's how like they deescalate and like address that. And my son's is dragon, which means they have to go to different rooms in the house. Mm -hmm. And then they will come back after five minutes. And it sounds like cheeky, but their ability to then self-regulate and and really respect each other in those moments of conflict, which they have their kids. They like fucking yell at each other and they get out of hand and all of that. But when they, when they can actually use that, it's such a powerful thing. And it just really made me realize that again, like they're not getting that education anywhere else. They're getting the modeling they see from us, which, 
you know, probably on the spectrum is a little bit more proactive and a little bit more like intentional than some folks. But even then, like the ability to practice those, you know, that that skill of knowing what feels good to you and how do you tell someone what you need? Like whether it's in a positive way because it's like the thing that you crave and that you seek, whether it's like hugs or attention or how do you tell them what you need after conflict? Um, like they're not getting that in school. There's not a lot out there in terms of those resources. And for a lot of families, like the connection that comes with having those conversations, that deepening of understanding and the respect that's built, I think could be super powerful. So starting to think about you know, whether it's families and children in that kind of like elementary age plus category um, and running a pilot for those and starting to adapt some of the lovely activities and then coming up with some new ones and also considering a pilot for friends. Because I think, you know, one of the positive kind of iterations on relationships in the world is that we culturally don't have as much of this like overemphasis on romantic relationships that we tend to go to our friends now for different kinds of like needs that we have and support. Um, economically, there's some really interesting data on in particular adult women deciding to like purchase homes together or make economic investments because they have the resources, they have the friends and the trust and the commitment. And so all that to say that I think, you know, we, we can feel close to our friends and not have some of those conversations without the prompts or without the intentionality. So like the, who do you want to be in five years? How can I support you? What is something I you know that you want that I don't know about? Um, how was your childhood influenced? Like who you want to be as an adult? What are the things you want to take from that that are, as we call it, like that you want to replay and what are the things you want to remix? And so there's um, just a lot of, I think, potential for, for people to connect in a more intimate way. Like I'm the awkward person at a dinner party that will like be like, so like, you know, what about your childhood made you, you know, excited to be here today? And like, you're like, why do you ask questions like that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, what other questions? You could ask people like, what do you do for work? And that's great. And I like to hear that stuff, but I'm also like, what's the juicy stuff? Like, what are you craving? Like, what's your heart craving right now that you're not getting in the world or, uh, you know, what are the sliding doors moments of your life that you think back and you're like, gosh, things would have been really different. And what do you think about that? And I think giving people the space to connect in those kind of uh, deeper and, um, and kind of different ways, like they're just cognitively different ways of thinking and talking to each other, I think is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I agree because I think too, you know, with the pandemic, I've had friendships that have been tested because we're not... Yeah you know, brunching together every weekend or hanging yeah. out and like, you know, watching, you know, our favorite TV oh, yeah. episodes every week together right. and, and doing all of those things. Um, and it's really, or changing. even like boundaries, like how do you negotiate, yeah. like what people are comfortable with during the pandemic and who's in your pod. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden those like, kind of, again, like what people perceive as kind of difficult conversations are introduced in otherwise not difficult relationships. It's something external that puts pressure on that relationship. So yeah, totally. I mean, it's all of that. I mean, yeah, I've had even people tell me, you know, with their roommates, several people said like, Hey, like I'm really uncomfortable having, you know, conversations on, you know, boundaries with my roommates during the pandemic of like letting people into the apartment or the house or or what have you. Um, and it's really interesting. Um, and I think, you know, like we said at the beginning of the conversation, I think any way to better communication and connection is just, it's a great thing to do. So um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) 
Well, Alex, this was great. How can people um, find out about find out more information about Lovely, and um, maybe look into the subscriptions? Yeah, definitely. So we have a website, as most modern people companies all that do anymore. Um, it's thelovely.us. And um, we, you know, you can learn more about the individual activities. We have the subscription that we do monthly that is personalized if folks want it to be. Um, and then we have the booster boxes, which is what I sent you, which is really like for activities that are specific to either a phase or stage of life. Um and I'm always, I love meeting new people. I love talking about Lovely. So if anybody um, has questions, my contact information is on there and we're happy to answer them. Um, but yeah, that's, I appreciate the time and just getting the word out there. I, I do feel so excited about the folks who've had the chance to connect with this product and are excited about, um, yeah, practicing what you described as like the, the importance of connection and play and communication. So uh, hopefully this just gives people a little bit more inspiration in some way in their life to do that. Totally. Yeah. And like, honestly, the boxes truly are lovely. They're so sweet <laughs> and um, like everything's just, I love the aesthetic of it all. Um, oh, but yeah. Thanks. And I always love to conclude Alex by asking with this being handling it, has there been any advice or maybe a lesson you've learned throughout the process of whether it be creating lovely or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, through the history of your relationship, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned that's really helped you handle your life? Yeah. I mean, so like, Oh, so many, um, I would say, you know, the thing that really has deeply resonated more so um, this year than any uh, is that the good, the good things in life are a phase for the Mm -hmm. most part and the hard things are a phase. So I think being able to really show up and enjoy and be present and celebrate. Like I'm a quick to celebration person. Somebody once described me as quick to awesome. Like I am just like all in for the good stuff. Um, Like, yeah, foolish for anything that feels good and is pleasurable and joyful in life. And so I think leaning into that when it's there and trusting that those moments are passing, just like the really dig deep, challenging yourself, challenging your identity, um, moments of fatigue and, you know, and lack of confidence, like all of that also moves forward. Like, so I think in the same way to trust yourself, to enjoy the good stuff, like trust yourself to get through the hard stuff. None of it lasts. Um, That has felt important for, for me as a person who's like a really deep feeler too, to like let in the really good stuff and also let in the hard stuff and learn from it and be comfortable and trusting that, you know, there will be a a tomorrow or the next phase or the next opportunity. But that's, that's felt true this year, especially, but it's felt true in a lot of phases of my life. So hopefully that lands or can, you know, be of use to somebody else. For sure. I think too, especially as, you know, we embark back into this post-pandemic society. I think that's really great advice because it's not going to be, you know, the easiest of transitions. And Mm -hmm. we've sort of adapted to this quarantined living in a bubble with our bubble of friends, bubble of family. And, you know, now we're all going to get back out there. And I think that's really, you know, great advice to remember. Is there's oh, obviously there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems kind of, you know, it seems intuitive and yet to your point, so much of our external 
like stimulation when it comes to social media or, you know, celebrity just kind of paints this picture of like, you should only expect the good stuff. And that, um, and I think that that really robs people of like so much of the, the strength and resilience and possibility that we have to navigate the hard things and to provide us that clarity and learning. Um, so yeah, no, have fun, drink the champagne when you can, and also like <laughs> trust yourself to get through the shitty stuff because it'll happen. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Well, Alex, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. It was really great to speak with you and uh, it's great what you're doing here. It's awesome. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's conversation with Alex and learning about Lovely. If you think Lovely could be the right move for your relationship, there's a link in the episode description to their website so you can check out and choose a box that would work best for you. Thank you to Alex so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.